everybody and welcome to the pixel classroom podcast those joining us on the live stream today on this wonderful saturday I hope wherever you are it's uh, nice and sunny and shiny here today and for those who don't think i of course i am ryan reed i am of course the host and uh, of the pixel classroom podcast here and i've got an amazing guest here today and uh, we were just talking before the show and him and i uh, we met we, we talked online beforehand we uh, last time we saw each other in person believe it or not was about nine years ago and he's actually from the other side of the world so right now as i'm recording this uh, in the audio version which is uh just after 3 30 central time it's uh just after seven in the morning where he is so uh this is really good and i like to welcome uh my friend and fellow educator and stem uh stem punk amazing man himself here the one and only jonathan neller john welcome to the pixel hey. classroom podcast yeah well this is where i get to say good morning and good afternoon so yeah hi from uh, australia uh, it's great to be yeah chatting with the pixel uh peeps do you have like a yeah, that's, that's actually a good point. I, I do because I was just talking with some friends of mine the other day who actually were with us back in mobile 2015, and they they oh, said, yeah, yeah. Well, we're just your subscribers, and I'm just like, Yeah, but you're right. Maybe we, we should, you know, maybe we are maybe we are the pixel peeps or something. That's an yeah. interesting question. Yeah, yeah, run a run a poll. I, I don't think I'd vote for pixel peeps myself, but that's that's a starting I, idea. I, you know, since we've joined the Teach Better network, I think I'll post that later on Circle yeah. and say, Hey guys, we're looking for what are the followers like uh John. Uh, uh, Josh Stanford's is, you know, the aspired yeah. leader. He says, you know, fellow, you know, ins, you know, aspirers. And I said, actually, that uh -huh. makes sense because we're all aspiring yeah. to be something. So that's, yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great, great to chat again. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, mobile 2015. Um, and I think back to a lot of the great educators that were there who are still, you know, still mm -hmm. out there with great practice amazing projects um today but we could we could probably spend the whole time just reminiscing about what was the mobile technology that we were all on about yeah i know like, i remember um someone had like the very first like alexa unit oh yes i remember you know? that um, um and that was the first time i'd actually you know seen oh you can just talk you know that kind of technology um, anyway, <laughs> we we don't reminisce too much, but yeah, yeah, it's great to be chatting with you again. Definitely. Yeah. So you know, John, you've had an amazing you know twenty three years of education. I mean, you you've been on the bleeding edge. You know, speaking of that, also robotics. I remember I was first introduced to tickle coding by Adam Bello, as well as mm -hmm. um, some of the stuff John did with his gamification in the esports. Believe it or not, early mm -hmm. on there. I mean, uh, I have to say that he was very early on. You know, rest his soul on the esports, and you know Wesley Freyer, who was of course doing yeah. a lot of the podcasts for educators, which was before I was doing my podcast which yeah. is funny and him and wesley and i still talk about that today but mm. um, you, you've had an interesting thing you know you focused on humanity so you can boost success for students anywhere i mean you've been working under people like dr you know puteria from the smar model which you know some mm. people have argue still today like i love the smart yeah. so i don't understand yeah. the smart or it does have its <laughs> point in it so and then you know yeah. such as the future we community would you know and everything with you know professor stephen heppel i mean you've had quite the career so how did this all come together i mean you you're a speaker an isti yeah. keynoter everything i mean you're down in australia you've been here in the u.s canada china parts of mm -hmm. europe even asia i mean 
I, I don't know where to start with somebody yeah. quite the resume like you. Yeah, like sometimes I, I pinch myself, you know, it's just a little classroom teacher at this uh, low socioeconomic school here in Queensland, Australia. Um, and, you know, originally trained as a drama history teacher, which um, your audience probably knows is not a great combination. If you <laughs> look at the theater major, yes. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, my, so my background was very much more uh, in the humanities. Um, and I, when I first went to university, um, I had a great couple of years as a, as an art student, just having, having fun, putting on little galleries and arts events. Um, but then I had sort of had my get a real job moment and that was <laughs> switching to teaching as well. And, um, yeah, I absolutely love the opportunity to work, you know, working with students constantly, you know, surprise and inspire you. Um, but that sort of sense of human of, you know, the humanities, I guess, is something that I've carried the whole way through. And for me, it links in with student agency and having that real hardcore empathy for, you know, where students are at. I got to work as a learning difficulties teacher. Uh, so I got to do a lot of really explicit instruction, um, which, um, you know, is one of those pedagogical trends that kind of comes and goes, you know, at the moment here in Australia, it's kind of on the rise again. Um, people forget that you need a bit of everything. So for me, being that learning difficulties teacher and learning how to really structure and scaffold chunk learning um, was was really good <laughs> for my, I uh, guess, <laughs> toolkit. Um, but it's, you know, like everything in pedagogy, you know, no matter what we talk about, it's a, you need a bit of this, a bit of that, uh, et cetera. So I, and then I had this, you know, interest in technology. I saw how just little things like cheap digital voice recorders we're going back into the, you know, the 2010s. Et <laughs> I, I remember the digital record. My own son was saying, Dad, we should get the one digital record. I'm like, Tyler, yeah. you, oh, your phone has more power than yeah. that. You want me to go yeah. to Walmart and pick one of those things up? It's like, mm -hmm. do the app for free. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's hilarious to think now, but, you know, the fact that a voice recorder or a tape player could be digital was was that was actually pretty transformational with the, the students I was working with because um, they could just instantly hear themselves back none of the waiting for you know these are the kind of kids mainly boys who if they had to wait 20 seconds well you know to rewind a tape to listen back to you know, their recording so they could check their accuracy you know you're probably probably losing them at that point but that instant replay even just something like that was was <laughs> groundbreaking right um, yeah but you know it just got me thinking this this kind of technologies and then we got some you know early ipod touches and some little laptops um, it really showed me that it could help them be independent of me as, as a teacher. Right. You know, they could record themselves and listen back a few times. They didn't need my me being there the whole time to give feedback. Um, and then same with the yeah the other devices, just em empowered that a lot more. And then I just started reaching out and um, you know early days of the internet, thank goodness, um, and just found other allies. You know. Um, so Tony Vincent was also, you know, <laughs> pretty huge. Yeah, Tony's been, been on here. Him and I, I think, we're talking about this last year too, when he was on yeah. this too. Yeah, right. Like he's he was the only other person in the world I could find who was who was using little palm handhelds with, you know, actually in schools at the time. He was doing some uh, amazing stuff. So yeah, it was really just finding other allies and people who are willing to take those risks as well. Um, and then. <laughs> that you know there's this interesting little network you know and people like professor stephen heppel who you know i'm not sure how well he's known in the us um, but his research around student agency and 
things like the Learnometer, which is basically testing air quality in, in classrooms. Right. As a way of improving grades. You know, you can you can almost give just give kids an extra grade level uh, if they have decent <laughs> decent air in the classroom. And we're talking, you know, not heaps of carbon dioxide because everyone breathes out and then everyone gets sleepy and their brains don't function at that capacity. Just lots of simple things like that. His research is uh, pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, uh, people like him and, and Ruben, Dr. Ruben Putendera, uh, Dr. Larry Johnson, they're just people that also recognize, yep, you need to um, focus on this technology. Like this is the, the time to be trying it out and talking about it and, and sharing. And so that, I guess that that common link, you know, and, and you know, you would get you would get this yourself and probably many of the the listeners, you, you seek out those <laughs> those people. Right. It's always egalitarian. Like it doesn't matter, you know, if they're a professor or, you know, whoever, if you've got that common, yep, we're trying to do the best for students here. Um, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. interesting too on the connections too, because I mean, after I went to your session back then and I had, and I had been following Tony up for about two years, we had been on our one-to-one -one iPads back then. Um, yeah. 15. Um, I took a lot of your models to create, like you said, recording and doing it, which became a very fun season because then not even three months after our conference, um, yeah, right. they, they, they cut things away and me and two other people, we lost our jobs in the middle of the start of the school year. And luckily I went to a school and they said, Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking of developing this and maybe trying to get the kids a little bit more of an, a flip or kind of a blended class. I was like, Oh, I'm your man. And I was there for two years. And then we had another budget cuts. Then when I went to my new school, I, my division leader at the time was doing that with the blend and had to record and everything mm -hmm. and the setup. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I just basically jumped in and everybody's like, well, that was amazing. How did you hire this new teacher who knows how to function all this you know, COVID happened and they were coming to us like this. And then I wrote my whole dissertation on mobile and professional development mm -hmm. and how it does work with the students. So I also say I public, you know, I, I published and defended in January of 2020, like 20th of January, 2020. Um, you had the COVID shutdown and my dissertation wow. had just gone live on ProQuest as an open-ended piece here. I think I had about 50 teachers from, believe it or not, Australia to Asia saying, uh -huh. hey, you know, how did that work? How did that work? Mm -hmm. And it started becoming a thing because like you said, you mm -hmm. saw the thing. I saw myself like this isn't going yeah. away. The, yeah. the difference was, of course, is how it's been used. Now some people want to get more traditional, but they still want to have that like, yeah, let me record the session and for the lesson or, hey, go watch that video on this part mm -hmm. of the great Gatsby and then let's have our think pair share written old fashioned way. So a lot of that blended has not gone away. And, mm -hmm. you know, now it's it is how we've connected very yeah. much to it. I mean, you you were there, too, on some of the early levels. And yeah. you know, I thank you for introducing me to some of those models. <laughs> As yeah. well, it did. It got it got bigger as time went on. Yeah, definitely. And you know, we like to we get a bit frustrated sometimes as you're an early adopter and how long sometimes it takes for education to change. I mean, I've sort of come around to the view that you know we probably don't want education to be constantly right <laughs> you know, changing too fast. We've got a pretty special responsibility, you know, in, in safeguarding you know what is the best practice, and eventually it does kind of filter filter down it, it is, can be frustrating it takes so long but i mean covid online learning was was a bit of a, a booster i guess but you can yeah i i can definitely see a lot of those practices that you know teachers who might have never you know touched touch things like just pre-record some things and yeah flip the classroom a bit but now it's pretty it is actually pretty standard um 
So yeah, there's there's a lot. There are wins there <laughs> to celebrate. Right, as I say, out of everything we do, learn out of you know situations and tragedies, and it's really interesting too. Because like I said, when you were doing some of the early talk, like I said, I think it was like maybe a year or two later. I think I was following you back on the old Twitter and some other stuff. But you were talking about a lot of the game design and what where esports were going. And I had a I had a classmate. He had just and he swears by esports. He's great. Okay. And I got into when I went to my new school, we got a new teacher and they wanted to start esports. Now they've completely transformed what was once right. my old room into an esports room. And part is of me is right? like, boy, I'm so mad I left it. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought of you and I thought of Wesley yeah. Blair and I thought of uh of James. And I'm like, God, the three of them would just like come together and just be like, Wow, what could I do in this classroom? Mm-hmm. Like, so how did you notice that with the esports little area? for that part i mean being as popular i mean i remember too in 2015 you were it was in the middle of the soccer championship and you were checking your stuff with, with yeah. i got belgium here and i say hey ryan who do you watch i'm like uh i I'm the, I'm like uh, go france i don't know <laughs> yeah 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 i guess for me like that uh i coming back to that humanity's beginning for me it's kind of like my north my north star and you might be thinking what's humanity's got to do with esports but that sense of play and and games you know, anytime in, you know, so my field of education, um, it can, schools can be pretty dehumanizing. Um, again, we, we probably don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but it, it's a system. It's a mass system. Um, and most teachers would have to admit it at some point in, you know, their career that we, uh, we have to be part of maintaining a, a system that does dehumanize, takes away individuality. It kind of has to, to operate at scale um but so basically for me it means any little opportunity where you can bring some of that you know playfulness etc so if i see oh esports is becoming a bit of a thing then i'm like okay i really (laughs) i want to give help give that give that a little bit of a push and bring back as much of that sort of playfulness i guess now obviously esports has evolved to a pretty sophisticated um place now um you know different leagues um and uh sort of a in some some senses a very real career path that, uh, you know, students can go from, you know, school, uh, you know, into employment. And obviously not many <laughs> may have the, the skills for that level, um, but there's a bunch of other things, the teamwork um, and all the other skills that students learn while they're doing, especially team esports, um, that are brilliant for their, their development um, as well, whether they end up in, in esports as a career. Um, hmm, what do you got there? What do you, what do we yeah, at? I was bringing up the uh, the Intel little part here, and they were talking right here about the esports. Those who are in mm-hmm. audio here, I brought the esports and educational benefits pieces here that Intel did actually earlier this year for the 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're talking right here about how to offer strategic learning, skill building benefits, like you just said, teamwork. And that, I think that's very interesting. Um, there was a former teacher. I knew that mine, he thought that he could just do the gaming like Minecraft, which does require team building and so forth. Yeah. But what he didn't understand was there was a competition ed, but he had no way to work on those developing skills. He thought that mm. maybe he's just throw the kids in there and you try to plug it into the curriculum. Maybe it'll have a point. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not how the, the, the basics of even gamification work out. There's still, mm-hmm. hey, but it's like me, if I have the kids play Monopoly, it's because, you know, we just talked about investment and money handling and when do you pay right. your bills and what do you know when to invest? When do you know to sell? So even though it's built around Monopoly, those same skills are not only in the classroom, but very real life here. And I think like esports, like I said, there's team building, yeah. 
strategy. There's yeah, stuff that goes for the careers. And I think when people just kind of just throw it out there thinking, oh, the, it'll it'll just fall into place. Like, well, yeah. yeah. If you don't just at the age of five say, all right, kids, it's soccer. Kick the ball into the goal. I'm like, well, maybe not all the kids can kick in the goal. I can remember as a guy being playing soccer until I was 14. No. I scored at seven and I scored at 14. Seven right. years apart. So that tells you right there, either I needed to improve or maybe something else needed to happen. But I, I think if I think of those years, those were coaches that helped us strategize and how do you score a goal when you open yeah. it up? Yeah. Yeah. The, there's definitely a bigger piece of work there um, around. It's even things like how do you deal with disappointment when you lose, um, you know, that um, sportsmanship um, and the, the esports programs I've seen really succeed in school. Um, we have a great one here in Australia called Fuse, the Fuse Cup. Um, that all, many, many schools um, yeah. uses uses their their league, um, and it's just as much about developing those um, like yeah interpersonal skills. They're exactly the ones that you know if we want to start talking about future of employment. There we go. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely. I'm like I've heard of Fuse Cup. I think I have it here. There we go. Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, I might tell you a little bit about uh, innovation sports, uh, which is a. I guess our STEM punks version of um, yeah doing doing esports. Um, Knows on the audio that's what his shirt is. It's STEM punks, which is really a cool little shirt here. Yeah, so it's like, punks now, yeah, yeah. Before uh, before people start thinking why you STEM punks and not steampunks, yeah. well, it's because <laughs> the company actually tried to trademark steampunks, but it's such <laughs> a, a generic term you can't. Um, but the idea of obviously, well, STEM, I don't need to sort of explain too much about that, probably the audience, but the punk being that, yeah, let's keep asking questions. And um, we, I guess we kind of have have that ethos. And our innovation sports, is, as we call it, is basically design thinking as a, as, a, as an e-sport. Um, now, design thinking is something that, again, keeping that humanities thread, you know, for me, um, always, always tried to keep that, okay, what are we designing? Let's empathize with people. Um, and then with STEM punks, they were, when I joined them about four and a half years ago, they were, already had that as a, a pretty pretty key piece. It's been great to, I guess, build on that uh, and the idea that it doesn't matter what we're doing, we'll always go through the six, the six design thinking steps. Might be across a day with students. Um, whatever the topic is, whatever we're learning about, we'll go through that, that process. Um, and then, yeah, when, when it came time to put together something around gaming and esports. Um, innovation sports is basically the six steps, but in 45 minutes. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. At each one of those steps, then how do you do your counting numbers? So when that was all done, it's like, yeah, it's the seven C's because now you're collaborating, you're computing. Like, how does this work? And then how does the color work? And then it's like, well, I don't have that color. Like, what's the next step of the color? Yeah. And I got to do that in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, in a way, it's just scaffolding. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a lot of schools we find here in Australia where obviously kids love Minecraft. They'll have lunchtime where kids just descend on the computer lab and go crazy playing survival mode and school's like oh this this is not kind of you know it doesn't seem educational or um you know and then you know oftentimes something will happen and they'll end up banning you know ends up getting banned um from, right yeah, no, sorry that's a different yeah i was like wait that's not the right one i was just popping that up there it is <laughs> <laughs> um oh that's yeah that's sorry that's the one that fuses fuses running different to our our innovation sports 
Mm. And I guess something that we're doing that is different is not just running it as that standard or it's survival mode, that standard type of esports where I need to be the first to finish the race or, you know, I need to have, um, you know, one thing that we avoid is um, how many people that you might take out, you know, if it's a first person shooter. Um, the reason that we've gone with the innovation sports and design thinking as the framework, as as opposed to some of these esports networks, not that not that their approach can't work as well, but the reason we've gone that way, as I said, you know, teacher who knows nothing about esports comes into the computer lab, sees these ki- the kids kind of slaughtering zombies or each other, <laughs> and goes, no. Nah. Um, and you know, we've seen many schools where Minecraft will get banned. Yeah, um, you know, etc. So to us to come and say no, it's it's what we're doing at Stempunks. It's it's creative mode only, but we're giving you this design thinking challenge framework. So we've got teams um, out in schools. We'll we'll practice our little challenges uh, each week, um, and it might be something as uh, I'll give you an example. One of the the little challenges. Yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> I have this love of Mars and space as a I guess yes, as a you scenario do. to really like get kids' imaginations going. Um, so if we uh, set up a little challenge for Mars, now it's just going to be a little mini, like a little mini town. The, the kids get a 30 by 30 limitation and can come into our server world, um, build together in real time. And um, it might be a challenge like, um, you know, uh, there's a little mini town has been built on Mars for the first time. But what's the one thing that the people there would need to be happy and healthy living away from Earth? you know, that far away from Earth. So the kids get five minutes for planning and research time. So as a team, it's like, oh, what are we going to build? Drawing, you know, pretty pretty hectic little little session. Uh, and then they get uh, 30 minutes, which encompasses, sorry, that planning stage is really the empathize first step of design thinking um, where they delve into, oh, happy and healthy. Let's look at these keywords in this challenge uh, and try and put ourselves in there in, you know, in those shoes to, to start thinking of ideas. Uh, sketching it uh, is very, you know, is very much like the define and ideate type set, type stage. Then they get thirty minutes of building, which is the prototyping stage of design thinking. Uh, you have at least four kids at a time, you know, building together. Then they have to stop for a team meeting for three minutes. That's the evaluate stage where there's no building hands off. And then they get a final seven minutes to uh, to iterate and finish off their design. And then they get after that one minute to stand up and present it. So in the, like I said, in the 45 minutes they've gone through uh, and it's been fantastic. A lot of schools are like, well, we, we get this idea of design thinking or at least introducing um, the fact that we, you know, we need more than just didactic type teaching and more than just <laughs> explicit teaching. You know, we need sort of yes. a more open-ended uh, where the students can play around with these kind of teamwork skills and designing and creativity um, yeah, and so design thinking gives you that structure, and you can run through that week, you know, weekly. Like I said, here's a new here's a new topic. Now I mentioned the Mars one, but you can come up with topics that match just about any curriculum area. And of course, we also map them to the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, um, as another way of linking them back to that sort of real world, big picture problem solving. Um, uh, yeah, here's our, our stem puns. Yeah, so I finally found the right website. There we go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is a view of our other programs. And, you know, I'm talking about that esports Minecraft uh, type design thinking. We do a lot of work with Microbit. Uh, again, oh, I'm sure well, like these I days love, most of them know. And I love Microbit. That, yeah. that is an amazing piece, um, those Microbits. You know, in terms of 
what I call classroom ready, you know, technology. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we just don't, won't even touch um, because Microbit does things so well. Um, and, um, you know, we, we still bring in the design thinking framework around Microbit. Um, you've got to teach kids some of those basic skills with Microbit. I call it Microbit literacy. <laughs> Once you're familiar with the interface and actually what's in the code libraries um, after that, um, here's your problem that we want you to solve. Uh, Microbit's got all these capabilities. Now you go and create a, a solution. You know, choose which of those capabilities you want to use the microphone, <laughs> the lights, the music, um, some sensors you're going to plug in. We let the students, once they've got that lit Microbit literacy, and they're up to the prototyping stage, you know, they might have five or six different options. Um, again, map back to the challenge and the, the SDG that, that we're looking at. Well, we're not going to say, you know, use the moisture sensor and come up with this, you know, here's your code and then boom, and, and you're done. That's a bit too didactic. Um, we might do that initially, you know, when you're teaching them the microbit literacy in the first place. But once they've got that range of abilities with it, uh, then it's up to them to go ahead and choose. Oh, okay, well, we, we need to use these three elements, combine them and add some of our own coding. And then here's our solution that we showcase and present at the end um so yeah microbit works great for that too oh you're looking we're looking at space now I yeah i guess my little space there on the video but yeah i i think because um one thing i do at the end of my digital literacy which i i plugged into the program last year is i have a set of makey makeys so they they make their own video games using you know simple scratch code and they, i said you can you can do one it's based off i like i give them several like a wakelet and it's several things like hey watch the video figure out which one you like the most play around with if you want to but then they got just like now what's a controller that's going to work with that kind of thing i mean if it's just left if you're playing snake you need a left right you know direct in here and you know what the object of the game is try to get the snake as long as possible out crashing yeah. the wall in itself but they have to create a controller that works that and then sometimes like why well, don't get why that's working is like remember you have to have a conduct you have to know you know it's got to be grounded like a regular real wire and they're like oh yeah i learned that miss gabriel's class about how the wires had to be grounded okay. for a connection i said mm -hmm. same story and then they go and design it and then they'll go into canva make a game controller outlet kind of template design and they'll go ahead and we'll print out we'll cut it we'll get out the cardboard and everything then they got oh, wow. yeah, all the circuits work and then when it's all done um, depending on the size of the classes, we didn't have the kids just go around. We just like say, like, go play the game. Who was the best controller? What was the best game? And sometimes we might have like three versions of Flappy Birds, but they may say, hey, you know, so-and-so's was the easiest. I mean, I was able to just hold here, hit this, and maybe I lasted longer versus the other two, which the controller worked, but I hit the I hit the pipes is barely after two seconds. I'm like, there you go. And then we kind of developed that design from there. And then they save their games mm -hmm. on their yeah. account, and they're good to go. Yeah, wow. So many different cool elements in there yeah <laughs> and then and that and that's really the thing because you're talking i mean the one thing you were talking about like you said the mars which is a very big thing for the society and everything but what about the um pieces here so going on to that collaboration yeah you got the minecraft you got that but you you've done things with co-spaces now i've i've you know i've gone in the co-spaces amanda fox will you know regularly <laughs> think, try to do that. Yeah. i have several merge cubes downstairs we pull out how does that how, how does that scaffold and transfer? Because now we're in the AR VR, which is definitely something that you've been a huge part of. Um, believe it or not, not even two weeks two weeks after uh, mobile going back 2015 again, we had um, a professor came doing gesture. We had VR control, and we actually had to play music oh. or move by using a glove, a VR glove. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, wow. Correctly. <laughs> and we had to match it with the screen. So it's like, even though we were in real space, it's, and then he'd say, okay, challenge. I want you to go. He's like, I want you to go back six rows and try to do the eggs. And then he put it on the projector so he could still see it off the computer. Mm -hmm. And we had to readjust it and then had to do it. And then I had one, she got out. She looked, she was like, you thought she was in a concert hall. Me. I was like, I'll try to do chopsticks. And it's like, um, no, wait, wait, no, move my hands. I don't, <laughs> you know, but it was, but he's, but he looked at me. He goes, he goes, he goes, do you see Mr. Reed? The hands are not doing it. It's just like anything. You can't feel it. So you need to get yourself something to really put a piece of cardboard in front of me. And then I was able to actually feel it around oh. me to get that understanding and it was it was hugely improved it was hugely improved versus the other one it was muscle memory too and the one guy he knew piano but he said himself he needed something in front of him to get that you know that gesture theory yeah, to yeah, yeah interesting i have to physically touch something even though it's in a artificial environment yeah 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 and we, i mean this is a fascinating period we're going through you know the apple vision pro and all this introduction of stuff oh yeah um, i was gonna say um, we have been using yeah co-spaces with the the space 2101 those, those stem camps oh there's there's uh susan yeah i was about to say if i can get around um, there, uh, yeah susan kilrain so it's been like an absolute career highlight for me having this love of space and then obviously of education and then the program that STEM punks was able to put together these sort of in international five-day uh, st uh, STEM camps, and I got to work, you know, work with people who've actually been in space. And most people don't realize, you know, it's only just over 600, 650 people have ever been to space. You know, right. only two Australians. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it, we're, we're at this stage where, you know, if you have enough money, yeah, you, you know, your government can pay and you, you can go to space um, rather than just being only government-based, you know, NASA and, and Roscosmos. Or military-trained people who have transferred to that. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, we're it's slowly opening up. Um, and we have this this kind of challenge to kids where by the year 2101, it will be much more normal to live and work in space. Um, and so the challenge, you know, for students is can they see themselves in that kind of, you know, that, that kind of uh, future. So that's what the Space 2101 and working with people like yeah, um, Commander Susan Coolring has been all about, but we use use co-spaces there. If you want to come back talking about the ARBR, um, being a, a voluntary ambassador for those guys for about five years or something because mm. it's such good classroom tools. And for, uh, just to go back to the design thinking with Stempunks, the way we use it is, again, when you get around to the prototype stage, that's where uh, co-spaces comes in so you've already done you've already done your empathizing on the topic and you've done your defining the actual problem with your team and you've done a bit of a plan uh, and then you get to we've got a prototype now you could use minecraft to prototype that solution uh, you could use <laughs> you could use paper and cardboard lego um or co-spaces and the advantage of co-spaces as many of your audience would know is yep it's a full 3d space it's one of these rare tools that's actually designed for education <laughs> You know, it's not like what we normally do where we go and get some commercial tool and then we have to do the work of adapting and making it school friendly. Um, obviously, there's a bit of a cost involved. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had this uh, for two of my graphic design classes. We weren't doing enough of it, but I had enough to where I'd gotten a grant and I had to spend it on a VR. So I said, I'm going to do co-spaces. And I had them. They had to design their own Smurf village based off their life. So I had like the cyberpunk Smurf village. I had Smurf villages <laughs> from the Roman Empire and I and everything. Yeah. I design it. And I said, now nah, you have to key it in there. And we'd use... um. We used uh, Tinkercad, which is used for 3D printing, as the they had to build their yeah, model cool. there, and then they had to transfer into co-spaces. So it was a really yeah, nice. cool yeah, scaffolding learning, and I I love doing. It. I haven't been able to do that since, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, I love what co-spaces because you know when you you've built that 3D scene, um, you can just put it up on a website. You know, if you want to share it with parents at home, 
or other people in the school, you don't need a VR headset necessarily. Um, you know, it's just an app or it's a website and you can still click around and see it in 360. That's great. But if you do have the VR headset, like for students to spend half an hour building a little scene and then put on that headset and immediately be walking around in, you know, inside what they've just constructed um, is, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty mind blowing in terms yeah, of and like I, I the, feedback really for them. Digital badging too, which I really yeah. have because I'm a digital yeah, badge guy. And it, it's amazing. And believe it or not, the uh, coder right there, uh, badge here, I, I've been teaching web design here, but first time yeah. we did Google yeah. Sites in Canva. But for web two, I'm like, mm -hmm. no, we're going old school. We're going shell code. And I've been actually showing them and they've been having to learn that. And I had somebody who said like, you know, my my summer class, I've been doing that. We've actually had a program that's the old faith, but we used, my, we used Minecraft. But he's like, it's a little different because we have to create that 3D space. I said, this is the same thing. Mm -hmm. this like, I said, yep. think of it this way. This is the blueprint. And when you go to Minecraft, that's that that's applying it. I said that's okay. trying to actually show what the model would look like. And then he was like, "Oh, and, and this is one of my medium low me, medium tier students." But just the light bulb went on his head, and he's like, "Oh, this makes yeah. all sense all of a sudden." Yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, the coding side is built in. Like CoSpace, as I said, you can just drag in some objects, have a bit of fun, make a really cool little scene. Great. Oh, but then there's a whole you know coding element for you can add on top to make actually control and manipulate everything there's the physics engine that's in there as well so if you know physics teachers i can highly recommend <laughs> co-spaces um for them as well and then there's that augmented rate you know if you've got a merge cubing out to see what you've made you know actually hold it in your hand um very extensible you know we find we can use it from students you know all the way from even grade one and grade two you know all the way up to senior years of schooling just based on you know those those are extra features so um yeah I, yeah i, I like highly recommend that and again in that context of <laughs> prototyping you know you can actually kids can actually make high level you know cool cool stuff hmm sorry you go <laughs> yeah i mean and that's on one thing and i mean you've been talking hugely about your timer and everything something i've always pushed me i mean i'm I've, I've you know done business and media and 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 digital literacy for now for the last nine years of my professional career but something i've always try to emphasize on kids especially current ones because some of them just don't see it is how much time management really does i mean you want students to explore but they also have to kind of realize and you said it perfectly like, hey i set the timer for 30 minutes or i set the timer for five minutes to get this out just like i have an open-ended question and then i just did this the other day i was saying like i said does it really matter a difference if i'm putting it on my watch and telling him like when they think or does it work better and he said Ryan, you do it yourself this week and tell me if you see a difference in how the students, he's like, I don't care if your best class or worst class. And I immediately saw where it's like, yeah, the visual timer was there for right. them. And they realized, oh, I got to get this done or I got to work on this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything like that. I mean, you're putting it on there's this giving the students that chance to be responsible for themselves. Um, and I'm not that they're not always coming to, but the likelihood that they will increase is definitely. Mm. It's yeah. student agency. Yeah, it's just giving them the chance to <laughs> keep track of themselves. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, th th this is one, like I said, this is what, you know, really opened my eyes to seeing the next level of everything. Because even growing up, I said, oh, yeah, VR, AR, get it, something fake, oh, you know, fake over real world vir virtual reality. Like, I remember the days of Second Life was very early on or, you know, VR and me, which was like the old one. I, I even joked with a bunch of us. We were talking about, we were in a podcast about, about old game systems that, that were ahead of their time. We talked about the old Game Boy VR and how okay. you know, this big thing. And the, the first games were Wario World and this other type of um, Tetris game. 
And it's just like, you know, that was so ahead of your time. Now, if you do it, you can say, oh, yeah, I can play Tetris on this or on my phone or, you know, I can just do the AR and I can I have to turn the merge yeah, yeah, around. Yeah. And those those systems didn't last at the time. This is late 90s, early 2000s. But it's like they were ahead of their time. I just don't think they knew where to go for it or really knew where the system was going at that time. I think the VR Game Boy had eight games before they finally just said, hey, this ain't working in Japan. Yeah. And said, Forget it. We're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Mm. Oh man, I gotta say, John, you know this this last half an hour has just like been incredible. Resharing this and all the stuff mm. coming up. I mean, you've got some stuff. What what do you have like uh, coming out here? I mean, you're talking about the combined thing. We got the innovation and stuff, and the you know the pedagogy of drama. But what do you what do you got ahead of for mm. you? you Talk about the twenty one oh one project and Mars and everything. But what else? Yeah, I mean, that, that, those are all those are all sort of still ongoing. I guess the the really big thing I'm uh, and. <laughs> I'm excited about. Um, I just realized the way I was introducing that because the program is called Excite, and hmm. you know, for us at STEM Punks, it's been great doing all the these little separate programs, you know. And often we'll go into a school for a day or two, and that's great. It gives them a real boost in terms of the interest in STEM, um, and boost the teachers' skills a little bit. But our Excite program now is is actually about no, we want to work with you for a year, um, and rather than just doing you know that little maybe we're doing innovation sports and that was great that was fun uh that connected but that's it um, we'll do at least four main programs across a year and um, we'll do a, a proper readiness survey to check where is your stem culture up to with your school right. to begin with. and then we'll co-design what we're going to do over the year as well um, what are your particular need, needs and even just the interests of your community um etc um, and then plan out that that full i guess year program and we've started that in places like papua new guinea right so oh, wow, new guinea. You know, again you talk about your ama the amazing journey if you put yourself out there in education i was actually born in papua new guinea believe it or not My wow parents were i did not the, know that wow yeah yeah and I was only there for about a year and a half so my whole life back in australia i've kind of grown up with these stories uh, and now there's sort of, you know, I can still say I'm mid-career. <laughs> um, you know, I actually got to go back there a couple, couple of weeks ago. Um, and just that's just where the education journey took me to a, a school in Port Moresby there. Um, very accomplished uh, local school, but especially given the, the circumstances, the things that uh, a lot of schools there uh, struggle with. Um, but, yep, they're really keen to build up a sustainable STEM culture not just sort of one-off. So, yeah, we're working with them over, over the next year. So now I've got all these, like, Papua New Guinean teachers, teacher friends. <laughs> wow. And, and we can, you know, we have an online surf. I think you mentioned Circle Community earlier. Yeah, Circle Community right yeah, now. Yeah. So we, we're using that. We have our online Excite community so we can keep in touch. Um, and, yeah, being, just being able to do that sort of planning with schools over, over that longer period, that that's kind of what I'm really, yeah, really excited about. Next it, it, it is, too. It's like it's so funny. Like originally, you know, I live here in Illinois in the States in the Midwest, and I have majority of my life, but I'm originally from California. I was only there until I was about two years old. But some of the yeah, areas. Okay, wow. Like, <laughs> you growing up with stories of the beach. Side, yeah, and there's, it's so funny is there's actually was a um, competition for eSports that actually did the final championships just outside of Santa Monica um, mm. last year. And it's like, boy, I, and they, they apparently have this whole little area and they work with this stuff. And I said, you know, if things ever align, I, I, last time I was in California, I was a young lad of 20, 
26, you know, 20 years ago, because I just had the birthday. <laughs> I, you know, just yesterday <laughs> after before yeah. recording this. But I said, I'd love to just go back and just see how that's all changed and evolved. And, you know, it'd be kind of funny to reconnect myself, just like you kind of did yourself. Mm. Any, so mm -hmm. it, it's out there. And maybe, you know, one of these days I'm going to hopefully do that. Yeah. So it'd be really great. Yeah, yeah. It'd be, be funny if people ask you, you know, Oh, have you been to California before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's funny you should say that. It's been a while, but actually, I was born over at that hospital, right over there. That hospital. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was. Awesome. It's so funny. I had to do a research project because um, one of my teachers does a family tree, and she does it the old school way and with ancestry and stuff stuff, and she'll do a 3D Google Slides and an actual poster board. But she said, "Oh, I'm going to have Doctor Reed actually go over his." And I said, "Oh, really? You want me to do it?" So she's like, "Yeah." So I want you to go think. So I signed up for a little area and i was getting all these repeated i still get these repeated stories like happening in santa monica right now oh, <laughs> wow. was, they, were, they were talking about the storms and the earthquake last year and i'm just like well luckily i don't live there anymore but at the same time like, <laughs> wow i'm maybe i'm glad yeah. i don't live in that part of town anymore maybe. it's like that's not police exactly. report or hey be careful high sun report i'm like high sun mm. report what what it's like <laughs> Maybe that's not encouraging you to move back anytime. Oh, no, I think I'll stay here in Illinois. I'm kind of happy and safe here. <laughs> well, I guess it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, John. Um, so for the people listening here, both uh, video and audio here, which will you know, audio will be here and up and up going, especially for the Teach Better Network here. Uh, how can uh, people get a hold of you uh, if they want to go into learning more about steampunks, or maybe even just saying, "Hey, I got this this question, John. What what, what, <laughs> what, what can you can what can you help me with?" Yeah, well, I mean, as we've seen, like, uh, I can chat about this stuff for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, if anyone does want to hit me up, uh, I mean, you can, uh, firstly, Stempunks in general, stempunks.com. Make sure you add on the .au for uh, Australia, stempunks.com.au. But, yeah, well, I mean, we do work in, you know, U.S., Latin America, and Vietnam, Papua New Guinea, um, yeah, do, Middle East, very, yeah, lots of places uh, around the world. So, yeah, stempunks.com.au. But uh, me personally, uh, so JNXYZ at, you can find me in most social media places using uh, using either Jonathan Nelda or the at JNXYZ. Um, I'm still a little bit on <laughs> what I still call Twitter. Um, <laughs> Same here. Yeah. I, I think I did two. I think I did maybe two shares a month now you've people yeah, find me on but, instagram and threads and now blue sky more than anything now yeah kudos to the teachers that are you know still trying to trying to have a education community there but yeah blue sky definitely um yeah on there fairly regularly and uh, threads a little bit it's a bit of a weird time right now so yeah I, I i see another transformation of probably of social media coming up in about a about a year and I actually have a friend of mine who actually wants to talk about that next season on the on the mm -hmm. podcast he says you know i'm going to be free in november you want to talk about where i think social media is going I'm like i think that's actually perfect and then, yeah let's table that for next year because it'll be closer to it yeah that'd be yeah, what, that'd what, be what right. is born from that so yeah um, and this is the part where I say, um, congrats, hope you're next. I think you're up to 175. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's, yeah, mm -hmm. I know. And then some people are like, well, what are you going to do for 200? It's like, hey, one miracle at a time here, too. And, um, but no, thank you. Thank you so much. For, I mean, I am too. I mean, I know there were some uh, weird days this past year and last year where it was like, I felt like I couldn't keep up with the episodes or, you know, guests and everything. I, I'll never forget last um, October. I mean, you, I, I know you got into this and then schedules didn't work on it. But I had about 12 guests that all had like 
life happens and I didn't get mad at any of them. And some of them have been on this, but I said, I had 12 guests like completely drop. And I was like, I had wow. nothing for this podcast for the next month. And sometimes I would record maybe every, you know, every other day. And then I just release them weekly, which was good before the live streaming. And luckily a lot of people came to the rescue. And this year it's like, I think this has been a little bit more thing. Like sometimes like of three people in a week, or I won't record anything for two weeks, but it's more balanced. Yeah. But uh, you know that's that's your style, you know. You but you still stick at it anyway. And here we are. Yeah, you're about to hit one seven five. So I know is. it is. I mean, yeah. And thank you for being on episode one seventy four on the other side of the world. I know. And this was funny. I was looking at your social media, and you were saying a part that you don't see talk. I'm like, you're right. That part of the planet is mostly all water. And I'm like, oh well, yeah, there's Guam. There's part of Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was fascinating. Hawaii. That side of the planet, yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a really cool, cool little yeah. image we had that you posted on social media speak. Yeah. Which I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And a lot of people don't talk about that. And I have a geography teacher, and he did that. He popped apart, and some of the kids were like, "Where is that, Mr. Moore? Yeah, no, we, where <laughs> is that? What is this water planet? Um, but yeah, yeah, if you get it from just the right angle, there's basically no land. No, I and I remember too. They like they'll show the shadow of the moon, and you'll see like a like a shadow come over, like just off the I think like the um okay. that part of it, like off the west coast of Australia. Mm -hmm. But it's like mm -hmm. yeah, I, I you got to wonder about people that are just going over that part of the ocean for whatever boats or planes, and just yeah. like there's also this giant shadow for like twenty minutes. And it's like oh, there's a sun. Like what was mm -hmm. that? Like it's, there's not a cloud mm -hmm. in the sky, and that's I think it's a weird part of the world because you don't see a lot of clouds there either. And all of a sudden it's like it's dark. So. <laughs> Yes, well, thanks for yeah, thanks for letting, having me on from down under, and um, yeah, I'll be yeah. listening to the, the next one as well, and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch online. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. So thinking in, and then uh, thank you so much here, Jonathan, for being on us to the Pixel Classroom podcast. Thank you for the various people here I saw popped up on between uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and anything. I hope we had something interesting. And for our audio yeah. listeners, like I said, if you want to go ahead and check out uh, Steam, you know, Steampunks there on dot. AU, I've actually taught this to my students <laughs> that slugs mean different things. I even threw one out there like, what? And this is funny. I used Australia. He's like, what does AU stand for? He said, Austria. I'm like, no. And they're like, Alaska. <laughs> like, no, that's Australia. And then the kid went, oh, that makes sense. AU. Yeah. So I said, if it's yeah. gov, what is it? Oh, it's government. What's a dot? What's a dot net? Like, oh, a network. I'm like, there you go. Now you're, now you're learning yeah. that stuff. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yeah, that's us for sure. <laughs> well, everybody else, thank you for joining us on the Pixel Classroom podcast. And we will see everyone later. Mm -hmm.